It's been three weeks. How's KOC's play calling been thus far? Plus, who's got the best backup running backs in the NFC? That and more Vikes and Saints talkers. It's all coming up next on Superior Sports Talk. Carol Evans sports anchor Reggie Wilson covers the Twin City sports scene nonstop. Luke Inman is ready to put him on the hot seat. That's what you're going to do to me. Instant analysis. Yanked. Out you go. Post-game breakdowns and red-hot takes. The Timberwolves need a stitch. Reggie and Luke give you a daily dose of Minnesota sports with superior sports talk. Part of Locked On Sports Minnesota. And it starts now. Back in the lab, Reggie and Luke back at it. Another episode of Superior Sports Talk presented by Lockdown Sports Minnesota. It's your daily 30-minute breakdown of everything Minnesota sports. Find us streaming on your Roku or Amazon Fire Stick devices. Look out for our Lockdown Sports Minnesota app there as well. That's Reggie Wilson on Twitter, at Reggie Wilson TV and on CARE 11. Reg, Thursday today, one day closer to Vikes in London. Yeah, I think uh, I'm getting closer to convincing someone to let me be their check bag. Let's go to London, baby. Let's do it. Hey, lots to get into, but first, remember, follow along Lockdown Minnesota YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. And on Twitter, give us a follow at Lockdown M-I-N. And remember, we're a podcast too, free and available, all platforms, Spotify, Apple, you name it, we got it. Tons of great choices over there. You got the Ron Johnson Show, the Football Party, and more. It's your one-stop shop with Endless Vikings Talk with local experts. Do us a favor. Hit the subscribe button and drop us a five-star review. All right. To football we go. Vikes Saints in London, Sunday, 8.30 a.m. Central Standard Time. Here's the deal. Saints flew up Monday a.m. So they've been getting adjusted and settled in. Vikes taking a different approach. Here's their schedule, according to Kevin Seifert. They hold their normal practice today at 11.45. Wheels mm-hmm. up to London tonight at 7 p.m. They close the curtains. They shut the lights off. They try to get some sleep. They wake up in London and land at 8 a.m. Central Standard Time. They get settled in for a little bit, and then they practice seven and a half hours later, 9.30 a.m. London time. That's 3.30 Central Standard Time, or by body clock time. So the whole point of this, leaving late, etc., was said to be about the longer you're over there, the more fires you have to put out. And I get it. I mean, it Mm. makes sense. Take as many problems out of the equation by leaving later in the week. Although it is kind of opposite to the traditional thing most teams do, like the Saints, who got on a plane again the very next day. I kind of like this way. I prefer it this way. Business trip, get in, get out. What's your thoughts Mm -hmm. on the Vikes game plan when it comes to the logistics of making the trip over the pond? Yeah, our show producer, Matt, told us about how if you get there late, it doesn't necessarily mess with your game anyway like it's been kind of shown in the past and i think that i'm with you it's a business trip like mm-hmm. i know there's a such thing as jet lag and all that stuff but like let's get over there you know and not disrupt us a, you know too much let's get over there do what we have to do get this game going and get out of there it's an unusual thing just because like you know, they don't necessarily have the the time coming back because you're playing again that next Sunday. So it's an unusual trip to to take. You know, they usually get that, that Tuesday off anyway, but it looks like they kind of forfeit a, a little bit of their Monday as well with travel mm-hmm. time. So it's kind of weird, but I, I'm with you. It's a business trip. 
we'll get there as late as we can without disrupting, you know, our guys and, and getting them out of any type of a rhythm. And yeah, we'll, we'll get it going. You know, traditionally these London games, sometimes it seems like it takes them a bit to, to get going a little bit. And I don't know mm -hmm. if it's just players adjusting to it over there or, or what, you know, it's funny. The, the saints have been there since Monday. Who knows if that even really helps anything like, you know, they're trying to get more comfortable and all that stuff, and they can go out there and be flat. You, you just never know. I also thought it was interesting to find out most teams, when they go to London, they get the bye the very next week because obviously it makes sense, mm -hmm. right? You, you need a little breather yeah. here now after going to London. They kind of pounded the table with the NFL and the schedule makers, and they said, we don't want mm -hmm. our bye that early in the week. If you can, if you'll allow it, we want that bye week a little bit later. So they get the bye week, what, week seven, I believe, not right after London. So I thought that was interesting as well. Vikes won't have long to get acclimated to the settings, which again, I guess is the downside, but again, Again, far less variables to worry about things pop up that you just can't plan for the longer you sit over there I'm sure let's check in on the injury mm -hmm. report I mentioned yesterday this is going to be a huge factor in Sunday's game so keeping tabs on this one throughout the week Saints no Jameis no Landry no Michael Thomas and missing two starting offensive linemen and Andres Pete and Ryan Ramchek Vikings no CJ Ham, no Delvin Cook no Zadarius and still no Andrew Booth if there was one guy for the Saints you could hold out to just better help the Vikings, who would it be on the list? And for the Vikes, if you could make sure one guy played and was up to speed, which player on that injury report would you want in the game the most? Oh, look, if we're talking about Saints to miss, it's Jameis for sure. Mm -hmm. You know, like, get your starting quarterback out of there. You know, let, let's uh, let's do this thing. Let's do this. Or... Or if you're like, oh, okay, if you're going to keep Jameis in there, he has the bad back. Maybe one of his starting offense, like Andrews Pete, like that would be really bad. Huge. For them. Yep. Mm -hmm. That'd be pretty bad. Uh, as far as the Vikings go, uh, this is tough. I want to see Booth out there. Mm -hmm. I want to see Zadarius out there because th they need to get back to the sack. Uh, was it the edge department? Meet at the quarterback. To back to the sacks. Yeah, they need to keep. They need to get back to meeting at the quarterback. But I will say, if if they had to do without one, I think they could do without Dalvin Cook for one week, because Alexander Madison has shown that he can fill in well for him, and the the offense doesn't necessarily have to miss a beat. Yeah, I think I'm with you, man. I, I mentioned how worried yesterday I was about game planning against, oh, no, now you got a game plan against this Andy Dalton, Taysom Hill packages <laughs> combo. I think I'd rather just have Jameis, who's banged up play. But the more I think about it now, maybe playing a backup quarterback in London, so many different factors going on, would be a huge advantage for the Vikes D. I'll go with Ryan Ramchek, though, for exactly what you mentioned. Saints already missing their starting left tackle. James Hurst filling in there. To lose out on mm -hmm. another Pro Bowl tackle, would mean Hunter in that pass rush maybe could start feasting and warming up here. Who's ever playing quarterback? And for the Vikes, it's hard not to say Cook because he's such a game changer, like you mentioned, but 
I just got so mm-hmm. much confidence in Alexander Madison right now. So I'll say Zadarius Smith, again, getting your pass rush going against whichever quarterback plays is going to be vital for the defensive success. Although I'm just chomping at the bit to see Andrew Booth Jr. out there. This secondary just mm-hmm. really needs a shot of youth and rejuvenation. I know he could help in a big way. What do you think about KOC thus far, just in general? Like a lot of expectations. Maybe the fans set the bar for this offense. Maybe unrealistically high right out the gate. Offense has not lived up to the hype on paper. Kirk Cousins has looked a little panicky, maybe a little lost at times. And JJ disappeared the last two games. Although I will say in Philly, I think they just kind of clamped him down. What's your assessment of the first year head coach through these first three games? Fair. I I think, you know, it's fair. He is doing the best that he can. This is a new situation for him. He's kind of learning a lot of things on the fly. One thing about Kevin O'Connell that I think we all can just appreciate is he is all gas, no brakes. You know, we talked about how aggressive Dan Campbell was on Sunday. Well, KLC wasn't necessarily let's go for six fourth downs aggressive, (laughs) but he's always going to be aggressive in that he's pushing things forward. He's pushing to the next thing. He's not just, you know, going out there like, oh, let's, you know, let's try to do what we can. You know, like third and 10, he's not calling the uh, RB draw. You know what I mean? Like he's trying to get it, get after it each and every play. And I think I can appreciate that, how aggressive he is. When they had blood in the water after the missed field goal on Sunday, he pushed it. He pushed it down the field. And it worked out in their favor going into that touchdown. It was cool also yesterday. I don't know whose idea it is, but back-to-back weeks now, or multiple weeks now, I guess they do it in wins, but multiple times now, they've had KOC on social media breaking down a play that made a difference. And yesterday, Mm -hmm. the Vikings posted him breaking down the game-winning touchdown. Man, that was so cool to watch. For one, I'm just like a a football geek like that. If, If you can make me knowledgeable, if you can help me understand better, I'm all for that. And it's so interesting that he did that because, you know, some coaches or most coaches, they're not trying to break down their concepts or their plays, you know, for multiple people to to look at and, and figure out because now you're like, well, look, we might dial that play up again in the future. Like, we don't want to show them what we're doing, but, like, it's the confidence that he has that, like, look, whether or not I diagram this play or not, you can't do anything about it. We're we're gonna run it and make you have to stop it. He is calling plays and he is going out there as a head coach as confident as you could even imagine. And I think that's something that you enjoy about him. You're just like, look, this guy is like straight to it. He has some fire. Like it was the first time we really saw some fire from him in that locker room speech after beating the Lions on Sunday. Mm -hmm. Like. This guy is as advertised, and I think he's only just going to get stronger as things go on because he's going to figure out more things. He's going to, you know, he seems to be a student of the game as well. I think he's going to continue to grow in that role as he kind of just learns on the fly. 
third and long run and a drop play. You just gave a lot of Vikings fans some PTSD, man. We saw that way too much under the Zimmer era. But yeah, I think it was, you're right. It was foolish, unrealistic to think after eight years under one philosophy, eight straight years, don't turn the ball over, play conservative, lean on the run, let the defense do the heavy lifting. New playbook, new verbiage. Mm -hmm. It's going to take a few weeks. Kirk's also been known to start slow, too. And, and actually, compared to the last two seasons, through three weeks, he's actually got better numbers. As far as J.J. goes, if that's what the defense wants to do, take him out of the game, you just got to let him. And you got to make him pay with K.J. and Thielen and guys like Irv Smith, Dalvin out of the backfield. That's just part of the process, man. I mean, that's just football. Mm -hmm. That's the NFL. Balancing out these chunk plays on film for defenses to see and have to defend against, J.J.'s time will come. He'll plenty of monster games throughout this season I'm sure of it but when he's not Kirk just has to find and use his other weapons to be efficient I really don't put much of this offensive struggles on KOC early personally anyways I think the plays that have been called pretty solid overall I think it's just again part of the process of a brand new offense getting acclimated with each other now that the bullets mm. are flying here this ain't preseason the same practice three games in I'm not too worried. I think they'll be fine. I want to check in on the vets. Not much rookie watch, as we've talked about quite a bit. No scene, no booth, no Osamoa, et cetera. How do you think the old guys have held up so far? Harrison Smith, <laughs> Eric Kendrick, Sedarius, Thielen, Patrick Peterson, et cetera. So far, so good. And I would say the leader of this clubhouse for the quote-unquote old guys is Jordan Hicks, man. Like, mm -hmm. the dude is just so steady. He's a consummate pro. He goes out there. He just knows where to be every time. He's out there making tackles, blowing stuff up, running sideline to sideline. Like, why would anyone ever give that guy up? Like, it's it's kind of crazy to, to think about that. The Cardinals just found that he was expendable. Oh, yeah, how's that working out for you? You know, <laughs> like, it, it always says, like, you know, one man's trash is another man's treasure. And it, it sounds terrible to to think of someone as like trash because he's not, but man, like he is as advertised. Like he is the guy that they they wanted to come in here and stabilize that linebacking unit with Eric Kendricks. You lose a guy like Anthony Barr, who was a stalwart on that defense for so long, a Mike Zimmer favorite, and you pick it up with a guy like Jordan Hicks, and you really haven't lost the beat. You really have seemed to go up a notch just because, you know, Barr had some injury problems the last few years. And you're just like, look, you replace a guy like Barr with Hicks and you're just keeping it moving. He and Kendricks just look like a great duo back there. Kendricks is a playmaking linebacker who is all over the field. He still has a lot left in the tank and it looks like Jordan Hicks does as well. Yeah, and I'll say on top of that, moving to a 3-4 defense, just more emphasis on linebackers, that was just so clutch and so important to go get another veteran mm -hmm. linebacker who wasn't going to take half the season or eight weeks to get acclimated. And I will say, too, everybody on defense looked pretty bad against Philly, and <laughs> this guy didn't play last week. But in week one, Harrison Smith just looked like the old Harrison Smith, man. He doesn't mm -hmm. look like he's really lost a step. We'll see how father time plays a factor on his play on the field throughout the season. But so far, I think so good. Vikes start packing their bags for London today, their third trip over the pond. 
team is 2-0 and already in London, looking for their third straight victory, this time versus the Saints. Set your alarm clock, kickoff 8.30 a.m. Central Standard Time. Plenty more Vikes NFL talk to get into. Next, we're getting into some Twins talkers. But first, Vikes Saints line keeps moving around. It was 2.5 to open. Now it's sitting at three-point favorites for the Vikes as we speak. You can check those odds out and more with BetOnline, BetOnline.net. Fastest and easiest way to check in on all your betting needs. Find all your favorite sports and events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Stats, news, and info. You want it, they got it. BetOnline makes betting easy and is your number one source for all your betting needs. Go to BetOnline.net today to learn more. That's BetOnline.net. It's where the game starts. And remember, when you subscribe to Lockdown Sports Minnesota, you're getting endless Vikings talk with local experts. Sam and Ron talk football every day on the Ron Johnson Show. Reggie Wilson gives you a sports anchor's perspective right here on Superior Sports Talk. And the Minnesota Football Party brings together the top Vikings podcasters in the city. Subscribe to the Lockdown Sports Minnesota podcast feed wherever you find your podcast. Drop us a five-star review or find our videos on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota YouTube channel. Hit the subscribe button. Leave us a comment. Let us know what you think. All right. To baseball we go. Don't look now, Rez. Twins, just 11 games back oh, in the Central Lord. race after that smackdown on Chicago last night, 8-4. It's been a while. I just thought we should just pop in on our Minnesota Twins here for a couple minutes. Quick thoughts on last night's game. What would you see? It's funny because in my intro to doing the Twins highlights last night on CARE, I said, it's funny what happens when there's no pressure to win because all of a sudden the twins are winning but it doesn't really matter much and so welcome to minnesota baby yeah it's a theme around here you know it's funny at the start of the season if you would have said hey the white Sox are going to come into minnesota and lose two of three you know the the next game or the third game Mm -hmm. is just Mm -hmm. you know a few a, a little bit away here uh, 12 10 start time for the the closer of the the series and the closer of mm-hmm. target field uh <laughs> for this season which is tough but at the start of the season if you would have said like hey the white Sox are going to come in here and the twins are going to blow their doors off in the first two <laughs> games of the the series mm-hmm. you say oh my gosh like that's great that's exactly what we want because we got something special cooking this we year. Got then, huh? going. We're going to Ooh. the playoffs. That's right. <laughs> and it's just like, no, that, that's not it. Not only are the Twins out of it, but the White Sox are out of it as well. Yeah. The Twins won last night, and now they and the White Sox have the same record, both going to the crib at the end of this season. Like, it's so crazy to, to see. Like, I don't think anybody thought that Cleveland would be like, the winner of the division but not only as this thing is played out are they the winner of the division they've run away with this thing to end the season and it's just like how did we get here how did we get here and it's like all right very very convenient fine time for you to start winning now when there's not really anything to play for and if i'm a twins fan that's probably the biggest part of my frustration and i'm looking forward to seeing what they do we know changes are not coming at the top Falvey already said like hey Rocco's my guy we're combined at the hip we're going to keep riding this thing out together so nothing's going to happen as far as you know GM president mm-hmm. manager situation so what's going to happen what's going to be able to like change for the roster 
because what happened this year cannot happen next year. Like we can't see a slide like that or else some heads will roll. It's too bad because, you know, fans five, 10 years from now, they're going to look back and say, all right, 2022 season. Oh my gosh, they were what? 11, 12 games back from the division. And you're not going to remember that they led this division for months and months and months. I like to keep tabs on some of the young guys. Rookie Matt Walner last night, three RBIs. He looks solid, man. Just 24 years old. Nick Gordon, mm -hmm. I like what I've seen. I've mentioned him quite a few times on the show. Maybe they get Royce Lewis back possibly at some point next year coming off that ACL. Which young guys do you think play a bigger role in this lineup in 2023? A lot to choose from when you look at this roster. Yeah, if you're talking about bat, you know, you, you talk about guys like Jose Miranda and, mm -hmm. you know, things like that. But I, I look at pitching. Bailey Ober mm. pitched a gym the other night. And if mm -hmm. they can get that type of production out of him moving forward, like they would love that. And to me, the success of this Twins team comes down by far, in my opinion, to pitching. You know, if they can get a good outing from Ober, Winder, guys like Louis Varland coming up and, and doing their thing in the rotation, like, this next season might be the year of the young guys, you know, anchored by a young guy and Joe Ryan. And so I think those are kind of the guys that I look at. It's interesting with Matt Walner coming in because, yeah, he's a young guy, but this team is loaded when it comes to outfield talent. And, you know, I don't know if they do something like a platoon. Like, I don't know how Walner fits in next year when you have Garlic, Larnick, you know, Buxton, Kepler, there. what's going on Kepler. with Kepler? Yeah. yeah. Um, and then next year, you're thinking about a guy like Kirilov coming back. What position is he going to play? Is he going to play mm -hmm. first base? You know, when they inevitably kind of move on from Sano, like, I, I don't know what's going to happen with any of these young guys. They, they have a good problem to have, but the, the thing is, is who's going to be the most productive of those guys because those are the guys that you want to play night in and night out. A good problem to have. Again, just a lot of young guys here trying to put all mm -hmm. the pieces of the puzzle together. You just really hope that one or two of them, though, can just take a big step forward and a big leap mm -hmm. in their development progression to make things easy, to make it easy to be like, okay, well, it's a no-brainer. We got to go with, you know, Matt Walner because look at what he's done as of late. Twins, just mm -hmm. seven more games left before the 2022 season is in the books. White Sox tonight, first pitch, 12.10 p.m. Central Standard Time. Not tonight, it's an afternoon game, as Reggie mentioned. All right, time has come. New favorite segments here called Gimme One. Just jump right into it. First one up, CBS Sports. You're going to love this, Reg. CBS Sports just dropped their <laughs> way too early 2023 NFL mock draft. For the Vikings, they're picking at 22. They're taking a wide receiver from SMU, Rasheed Rice. The Vikings love what they have in KG Osborne, but it's time to get another receiving piece to draw attention away from Justin Jefferson. Rice is big and electric as a route runner and with the ball in his hands. If it was up to you, though, Reg, from what you've seen through three weeks, give me one position of need the Vikings should address early in the draft in 2023. I'm not falling for it again. <laughs> Not falling for the banana in the tailpipe again. We banged the drum last year on Jameson Williams possibly being the guy. And how mm -hmm. it's that's right. Kind of yeah, how it's kind of shaking out is like, look, the yeah. guy that they did take in the first round, he's not playing early either. So you might 
you might as well have taken Jamison at that at that pick if he wasn't going to play early. But honestly, wide receiver is the furthest from their need. Like Agreed. that would be drafting a, a luxury. They don't need a number two receiver. They don't need a number three receiver. Like they got those guys. Like after watching what happened on Sunday, they still put this article out and say that they need another wide receiver opposite of Justin Jefferson. You guys, are you guys even watching the Vikings? What's, what's going on here? Is, is that, is that the best that you can do? Honestly, for me, it, it comes down to cornerback. They can never have too many. Patrick Peterson may not be back next year. You're looking at Andrew Booth possibly, you know, coming up and, and being CB one or CB two. His health is always a question. So in my opinion, I look at cornerback. They they can never have too many of those guys. And if they can get one that's like a shutdown corner, that really helps in this Fangio slash Donatel type defense where they can kind of put the guy out on an island. I look at something like what uh what JC Horn is doing mm-hmm. down in Carolina. Like he's Stuck. locking some dudes up. You know, mm-hmm. Darius Slay, what he did against Justin Jefferson, Jeff Okuda coming back from his injury, what he did against Justin Jefferson. They need a guy that whenever you bring your number one guy, a guy that they're going to face on Sunday, Marshawn Lattimore, whenever you bring your number one wide receiver into the game, they have confidence that the guy that they're putting out there on him is going to win some. You know, they may not win every matchup. Because that's just hard. These guys are, are professionals. They're really good at what they do. They're not going to win every matchup, but they're going to go out there and compete and win some of the matchups. Like, you can't be out there relying on some guys that are not necessarily good cover guys because now your defense is just going to get picked apart. And I think from the first three games of the season, if you're talking about what they need, I see cornerback as the the top of that. And it's really not even close for me. Great minds think alike. I'm with you. I'm not touching. I'm not even looking at the offensive side of the ball, whether it's offensive line, maybe tight end, I guess, but not in round one. Receivers, no thank you. Quarterback, nope, not for another year at least. Running back, obviously. we're It's got to be defense, and I'm with you. If you go defense, if it's not, again, I really wanted Jordan Davis. That just run-stopping nose tackle. But that's really not a valued position early in the draft either. So if you're not Mm -hmm. going defensive tackle or D-line, I think you got to go secondary cornerback specifically. There's three good ones, too, specifically in this mock draft. Eli Ricks from Alabama. He transferred from Mm -hmm. LSU, so he's legit. Cam Smith from South Carolina went into the season, arguably the number one cornerback in the country. And then there's a sophomore kid from Georgia, Kali Ringo. Three good cornerbacks. Obviously, depends on where the Vikes land in the draft order, in the pecking order. And obviously, Mm -hmm. it's way too early. Pre-draft combine, all that stuff is going to change things. But my point is, this may be a really good draft to add some talent some young fresh legs into this cornerback room as Patrick Peterson gets a year older Cam Dantzler maybe we're finding out it's never going to be a true number one type of guy but that's okay in the NFL pass happy league I've said it for like seven Mm -hmm. years you need three good cornerbacks in this league because teams like the Vikings offense are just constantly going to spread you out with three wide receivers if not four and five so having cover cornerbacks would be essential and pairing a young guy up with Andrew 
Andrew Booth and even Lewis Seen, that help you sleep easy at night knowing your secondary has a lot of young pieces to build towards for the future for sure. So I knew you'd love that, Reg, the 2023 mock draft. I knew you'd love that. I had to give you one. All right. Hey, that's a wrap today. Back tomorrow, breaking down more Vikings NFL. Remember, like, rate, review, and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Join us every day for another episode with your 30-minute breakdown of everything Minnesota sports. We're a podcast too, free and available, all platforms. Subscribe, leave us a comment, drop us a five-star review, take us everywhere on the go. That's the man, Reggie Wilson on Twitter, at Reggie Wilson TV. Check him out every night up on CARE 11. I'm Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman. Special thanks, producer Matt DeBritz. Tune in tomorrow to Superior Sports Talk, part of Lockdown Sports Minnesota. For Reggie, I'm Luke. Until tomorrow, signing off. Be blessed. Spread love today.